Good morning again. We're glad that you're here today. Always grateful for the opportunity to be together. We appreciate so much those of you that are visiting. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. We always have a number of visitors with us from week to week, and for that, we're grateful. We want you to know that we truly believe that you're an honored guest. We count you as an honored guest, and we want to encourage you to come back. If you're looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and be a part of our church family. I've said before, and I'll say it again, we have great elders, got a great group of deacons, got a tremendous youth group, got a lot of good people here. And so if you're looking for a place to come and serve and worship God, we'd love for you to call this place home. We'd love to have you. I do want to just very quickly make mention of the fact that the last two weeks I've said that GBN has decided to put a television program on the air called Counterpoint. B.J. Clark and I have been doing this program for several years. It airs in the Mid-South area, and they have a time slot that has been offered on Tuesday evenings at 7.30, and it is on Dish and Direct. It will go into about 53, 54 million homes. To those of you, to those of you that have already given, I want to express gratefulness to you. Appreciate that so much. They told me Friday that they have to let the media company know tomorrow if we're going to take that time slot. And so if you're thinking about giving, we would love for you to be a part of this work. And again, I appreciate so much those of you that have given. I do want to also make mention of the fact that before services started just a moment ago, Jordan and Drew reminded me that spring break is upcoming and they were talking about the fact that my yard got rolled around Christmas time. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but I am still picking up remnants of that gift. If you want the gift that keeps on giving, you need to see these guys. <laughs> I just had one roll unlodged from one of the branches up high. I couldn't get to it. But when I'm picking up remnants of that gift, I think about how it just keeps on giving. And so if you want on the list, let me encourage you to see these guys. They do excellent work. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a moment, verses 7 through 10. We want to talk today about the theme, giving up is not an option. I know that there are a lot of options in life, and sometimes when we face difficulties, when things become difficult in life, we typically think about bailing. The idea is, just walk away. When it comes to our faith, we can't give up. We can't afford to give up. Really and truly, it's not an option. So I want to think with you this morning about giving up is not an option. And I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. We're going to be talking about a difficult time in the life of the Apostle Paul. He speaks of a thorn in the flesh that had been given unto him. And so as we look at this account, and obviously the difficulties that it presented to Paul, 
I want us to see how he persevered, maintained his faith. And so I want to begin by talking about the fact that there was pain. There was a lot of pain in Paul's life. The pain, of course, attributed to this thorn in the flesh. Let's begin by looking at the picture that is presented unto us in the Scriptures. In verse 7, Paul said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. There are two words that I think help to amplify what Paul is talking about. Really helps to give us a picture of what he was battling. The first is that word thorn. It means a sharp piece of wood, a stake. And the idea is that that stake could be used to impale. And then the second word is buffet. And that word means to beat with the hands, to beat with the fist. It can carry with it the idea of violent treatment. And so by way of picture, what Paul is saying is this thorn in the flesh was something that was literally beating him up. Have you ever been in so much pain that you thought you were going to die? You hurt that bad. Sometimes people will talk about how they hurt so badly they thought they would die. And I would freely grant that there are a number of Difficulties by way of illness and disease that can encroach upon the human body and bring us to our knees. Paul here is saying to us, he's getting pounded daily. It's like he's going toe-to-toe with a boxer and, and just getting beaten up. So we talk about the picture that is before us. And then I'm reminded of the fact that it was persistent. Listen again to what he says in verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, very quickly. This was an ongoing problem. There are times when we talk about people who are chronically ill. They have pain 24-7, and that's the picture that I get of the Apostle Paul. He's saying, I am hurting, and I am hurting deeply. If you've ever been around somebody that is under siege physically, and they are battling pain 24-7, day and night, you understand what Paul's talking about here. Now, there was a purpose for this pain, and you need to understand that. Verse 7, again, Paul said, Lest I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. The purpose. Behind these difficulties that he was facing. There are some lessons that can come in life, and the only way we can learn these lessons is by experience. 
And Paul here is saying that God used this thorn in the flesh to teach him about humility. Paul had received an abundance of revelations. And so this thorn in the flesh was given to keep him humble. There is not a classroom in the world that could have educated the Apostle Paul on humility like this thorn in the flesh. And there are some things that maybe you experience in life or maybe you have experienced that have bettered you, have helped you or aided you. When I think about the lessons that Paul gleaned, and no doubt there were many, I'm reminded of the fact that when we face trial and suffering and heartache and pain, and by the way, Paul was in immense pain, and the pain that he was dealing with was in the flesh. He said this thorn in the flesh was given unto him. Paul was hurting physically, and I don't doubt emotionally. When you have chronic pain, it can literally bring you to your knees. There are a couple of ways to look at pain or trial. First, trials can serve as a building block in our spiritual maturity. Now, you might ask the question, how in the world can I benefit from pain and suffering? Well, in James chapter 1, you remember in verse 2, when he said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? Isn't that an odd statement? To think that James is saying here, look, when you face difficulties in life and the outward trials that he's talking about range from sickness, illness, disease, to the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, financial reversals, just difficulties in general, things that are common to all people. And James is saying when you face these things, it's an opportunity. The opportunity is for you to learn and grow by these things. Paul would say in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, tribulation works patience. Don't you think that the Apostle Paul benefited from this thorn in the flesh as bad as it was? There were some things that he learned about himself and learned about God, and I think he bears that out in this text. Sometimes we really don't know what we're made of until we face difficulty. Because there are times in life when the only way to grow us spiritually is by adversity. So, Trials can be a building block. The flip side of that is trials can be a stumbling block. In other words, trials can make our faith or they can break our faith. It's up to us. How do we respond in adversity? How do we respond when things aren't going our way? And let me tell you, life doesn't always go our way. For some people, life seems to be a gravy train. Other people, not so fortunate. But even the best of the best suffer. 
and face hardship. The Bible says that the trials that we experience can build our faith or break our faith. Make our faith or break it. It's up to us. You can go back and you can look at the life of Job. And I have no doubt that Satan, the intent behind the difficulties imposed upon his life, were intended to break his faith, to break him down, to destroy him, to crush him. And so, the purpose for his suffering. There's a third thing I want you to see in our text, and that has to do with the prayerfulness of Paul. Again, look at verse 7. Listen to what Paul said. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. First, I'm reminded of the privilege of prayer. Of all of the great blessings and privileges that we have in Christ, is it not true that prayer is one of the greatest? Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Paul turned to the very one who had the power to help him in time of need, didn't he? Do you believe in the privilege of prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Here's what James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Did God hear Paul when he prayed? When the apostle Paul went before the throne of the Lord and pleaded with him to remove this thorn in the flesh, do you think the Lord heard him? Absolutely. Did he get the answer he was looking for? Not necessarily. Did he benefit? Yes. The Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Was Paul at a juncture in life when he was, as we would say, in a time of need? Absolutely. Paul was in great need. So what did Paul do? He turned to Almighty God. And then add to that his persistence in prayer. I mentioned a moment ago the pain that he suffered. That pain was in the flesh. How did Paul offset the pain, the difficulty, the trial that he was facing? You know how he offset it? Prayer. Listen again to what he said. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 18, 1? that men ought to always pray and not faint. What was he saying there? Don't give up. Is it possible for us, when we're under siege, when we, like Paul, feel like we're getting beaten to a pulp, is it possible for us to get so discouraged that we just wave the white flag and we say, you know what, I've had enough? We give up? Absolutely. So what was it that God was teaching Paul? You can't give up. You got to hold on. Jesus again said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. If you look at that context in Matthew chapter 7, what Jesus is saying is, you keep on asking. 
You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. Are there limitations imposed upon us in terms of how often we can pray? Could you imagine there being a quota? Okay, we've reached, we've reached our quota for the day. We can't pray anymore. The Bible says we can pray any time, day or night. Paul here is teaching a lesson to us about prayer. Paul said, look, I went to the Lord. I went and laid this thing before His throne. So, what about the promises? What about the Lord's response to the Apostle Paul? I want you to look at verse 9. And First, I want to emphasize the fact that what the Lord is saying is He is sufficient. Let's think about the Lord's sufficiency. My grace is sufficient for you. Does the Lord have the ability to come to our need to rescue us? Yes, He does. When God promises to respond to our difficulties and trials and the cares of this life, does He have the ability to sufficiently supply what we need? Yes, He does. When we go to God in prayer, we go with the expectation that, as the Hebrew writer said, we're going to find grace to help and mercy in time of need. Paul would write to the church at Corinth, and he would talk about God, who is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. God has the ability, He has the sufficiency to comfort me, to address whatever needs I face in this life. So first there's the Lord's sufficiency and then the Lord's strength. Note what he says. My grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In light of that, Paul said, Therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As I think about the Lord's sufficiency, I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, when Paul said, But my God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. God has that ability. Paul understood that from a human perspective. He knew about that in a personal way. And then back up in verse 13 of chapter 4, Philippians, Paul would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now you think about this thorn in the flesh. And Paul is having to deal with this thing and it's beating him up. But what he learned was that the Lord would give him the strength to get him through I don't know what you're facing in life. I know what some of us face. I don't know what everyone faces. But I know that life is not easy. Life is not all it's cracked up to be sometimes. And there's a real tendency on the part of a lot of folks to just give up 
And sadly, sometimes even in the church, when people are met with adversity, when they are faced with what they would call their thorn in the flesh, their response is, I've had enough, I'm giving up. And they'll ask the question, where was God? Sometimes they'll ask the question, why? We can ask why. But what we need to understand is the answer. We live in a world filled with pain and suffering. It's a part of life. What about where's the Lord? Right where he's always been. He's on his throne. And the Lord has assured us he's here to help. When we turn to him in our time of need, we can do so with the expectation that he will, that he will be there for us. I want to close by citing a passage of Scripture that I think is a great, great encouragement. It's found in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. And here's what Peter said, casting all your care on him. Is that not what Paul did? He cast his cares on him. And why did he do that? Because Peter said he cares for you. Whatever you're facing in life, I want to encourage you, don't give up. I want to encourage you, whatever your cares are, give them to the Lord. And I want to remind you that you can do so understanding He cares for you. And that's a great, great source of encouragement. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. If you would do so and repent of your sins like they did, like they did on Pentecost Day and are immersed in water, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells you, God will forgive your sins, Acts 2.38. Not only will He do that, but He will put you in the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And in the church you will enjoy all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. One of which is the privilege of prayer. Another of which is the presence of God. It's great to be a Christian. It might be that you're here and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God. Maybe your life is, maybe it's a mess. And maybe at some point in your life you have thrown in, thrown in the towel. You've said, I've had enough. I want you to know that the Lord would have you, He would have you, He would want you to come back. And not only would He want you to come back, but He would, he would want you to know that the door is wide open. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?